Welcome to the Not All Love and Life podcast. I'm your host, Romy Moreno. And today we have Vanessa Lopez, broker and CEO of Exclusive Capital Lending. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Welcome. Thank you. So we have Vanessa here today because she is such a knowledgeable person when it comes to this industry. And I just want you to share all your gifts and your nuggets and all the things you know to help anybody that might be interested in maybe buying or purchasing or refinancing or whatever else it is that you help out with. Okay. Well, essentially, um, my bread and butter is like purchase and refinance transactions, um, residential and commercial. I've been in this business for like about 10 years now. Um, I started on the operation side and then I worked my way up to be a loan officer. And then eventually about a year ago now, I broke off and opened up my own brokerage. And it's been, every step of the way has been really great. Um, But particularly, I found my strength in education, um, more of like being informative about the process and just like the steps and what's required and all the different components that go into buying a home that people often don't take the time to explain to a regular consumer who doesn't have an knowledge of this business. And um, that's essentially where I really found myself thriving was giving that part of the process more attention and I saw just a really good response and like retention and confidence building in buyers to be able to kind of do this process over and over again and leave them organized for the future. And is this something that you always wanted to do? Like how did you come across this um, career path? Honestly, I needed a job. (laughs) And we were just a couple years out of like the 2008 recession um, and finding a job at the time was not easy when you're really young. And I answered an ad on Craigslist or in Comic Sans <laughs> for an administrative <laughs> assistant. <laughs> I was at that point just applying to whatever. And I did get a response back. And like at the time it was paying like 15 bucks an hour, which was a lot. You back know? then it was a lot. It was a lot. Prior to that, I was making like $10 an hour in my other job. So I'm just like, whatever it takes, you know, I'll do it. And I started working for like a four-person office. The guys had just moved down from up north and they just came down and opened up their own branch. So it was like three American guys and me. I don't think they were prepared for how much I wanted to work because I was like determined to like save and like go out on my own and everything. And essentially it was actually a job. The job really was a junior processor. So it was completing applications, getting them back, getting any documents that we needed, um, pulling credit reports, and then submitting the file to our corporate office. And within a few months of me being there, they went from putting out 28 files a month to like me alone putting out 200 files a month. That's crazy. It's it's funny because I, I, that was my first office job too, working for a loan officer in a a brokerage company. And I started off as a junior processor, (laughs) but I I also had that drive. So I literally ended up doing everything in that office. I literally, I started off as a receptionist. Then they're like, no, you don't belong here. We're moving you to junior processor and then processor and then closing department. And then, you know, junior closing department. And then I brokered loans too on my own. That's awesome. But I got out. When you were getting in, like when the recession hit, I was like, yep. Not Uh for me. (laughs) Yeah, it was was crazy. I came in like right after. So there was a lot more regulation in place already by the time that I got in. So it's kind of how I learned to do the job. And then the most important thing was that for that office, I created a system. They just didn't have a system. So 
that was imperative. And then like from there, they were able to hire like more people and more loan officers. And then in a year, we grew from like four people to 25 people in that office. Wow. And I was like 23, you know. Um, so that was really cool. It was just a very niche office. It was VA refires only. And like you don't need a whole lot to a whole lot of paperwork for those kinds of loans. Um, so it was really quick to just turn, like, turn over the file. But it was like a, a boiler room in a sense where, like, they just are, they put out mailers and they're just receiving calls all day. And then they're just, like, taking that shot on the phone and not every file sticks. So it's, like, 200 no's before you get a yes. Yeah. And my dad's, like, get your license, get your license. And I'm, like, I want to do this. Mm. Like, that's all, that's all I knew about being a loan officer. I was, like, I don't, this isn't what I want to do. But I didn't understand, like what it really was you know all i saw was pick up phone calls and hope for the best and that's just not something i wanted to do with my life that's not easy i did that for a while too and <laughs> i that didn't last very long i was just like this is not for me yeah it's it's not like the level of like rejection like how do you even stay motivated you get what i'm saying and it's just like even when you do get somebody to take your call like how do you know that's even gonna close because you don't know what their situation is right and then shortly after that, I moved on to like another place. It didn't work out too well. And then I ended up uh, PRMG for the first time working for two top producers. And they were super hungry. And then that's when I really learned what like FHA conventional was. And they basically were like, you're hired, but we can't train you. So figure it out, you know. And then that's also how I made friends. I got in good with operations, like the underwriters, the processors. Like I would ask them for help. And then they were the ones that really guided me the best. But after some time, I went around to a couple of different places and then I landed at a different branch of PRMG. And that's where I actually um, began working with the loan officer who I most resonated with the way that he did his job. Um, he was very transparent, very honest, um, very problem solving result oriented attitude. Like I'd be like, this doesn't work. And he's like, yes, it does. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work. And he's like, yeah, just... Add the three, move the two, add Abuela, call the title company, ask them this, and then we're good. And I was like, oh. So he really taught me that, like, there is always a way, you know? It's And it's even and if it's uh, not a yes right now, it could be a yes for the future. And that just kind of changed my entire mindset about the way that I really saw this job. And the year that I worked under him was just the most crucial for my career. And then eventually I was like, great. And you were just an assistant at this point. Right. And he was a branch manager. I always ended up working for like top producers and things. I was very good at my job. I was very resourceful. I would like make it happen. But this was the first place where I felt comfortable kind of taking that step further. Because I'm like, okay, now I've seen a loan, like a loan officer work in a way that I can work. Because before that, like my old bosses, I just didn't agree with their procedure. It was very bait and switch. It was very aggressive. It was just... It didn't leave, like, I, I never looked at them. I was like, I can't wait to do that, you know? It wasn't very inspiring work. Correct, right? When I started working for my last boss, he, just the way that people gravitated towards him and the way that he made people feel good and he really got things done without having to be aggressive or having to exercise his toxic masculinity, you know what I mean? I was just like, great, like, this is something that I love. I learned a lot, and he he did push me beyond my my comfort zone because I would always ask him to make, like, the bad news calls. And he's like, no, you do it. And I was like, no, you do it. <laughs> and he's like, 
He's like, I don't know how to tell you this. So this is like part of your job. And I'm just like, you're right. Okay. <laughs> and so it was like a lot of character building and figuring out my tone, right? Because like the way you deliver a message is, has all to do with the result of the conversation. So that was crucial. And then about a year in of working for my last boss, I decided that I was ready to move on to a sales position. And we had agreed that my start date was going to be April 1st, but that I was going to have some wiggle room to be able to like start acquiring my own business, have a lead in the pipeline, meet a realtor, something. And I was just being bombarded with work for, you know, that wasn't mine. I grew um, to basically the point where like I had to have a conversation with my other manager. And I was just explaining to him that I was growing frustrated because it was basically a march from the day that I was supposed to go on my own and I didn't have the room to acquire any business, which meant that come April 1st, I was going to be without a paycheck for a few months. That's a little bit stressful, right? Because I lose my salary the minute that that happens. They, he basically tried to like tell me like, you're not ready. You're too operations minded. You're too technical. You should consider working still as an assistant under this other person. And like internally, I like I was like I'd rather set myself on fire. <laughs> um, but I was like no, and I told them I'm like I owe it to myself to try, and that was the first time that I think I ever gave myself that kind of like priority or acknowledgement. Like I really owe it to myself to try. I've been in this business a long time. If it doesn't work, I can go back to being an assistant. What do I have to lose? You know. And that moment where I decided that I owe myself this opportunity was just the day that everything changed for me. And it took a little bit of it took a little bit of time to get to that point because the next day, like I was I was a month out from my start date. But the following day after that meeting, which was March 10th, I got to work. They're like, give your loans to this person, go to the bullpen. Like on the spot. I lost my salary, I lost my stability. And I was like, this is what I wanted, right? So I'm not gonna fight this. It worked out the best way because a week later we got sent home for quarantine, which was terrifying because I didn't have a lead, a loan, pipeline, a realtor. I, I didn't have anything. I, I basically went home with no business. It was probably one of the scariest moments of my life because like I'm somebody who's very much like organized financially and like that uncertainty was terrifying. I'm just like, it kind of gets me, like, a little bit emotional. I went home, and I, I, like, trusted my gut. I'm like, I have to trust myself in this decision. Like, I know that this is the right thing for me. And it was because in that moment, if I would have been an assistant just one week longer, I would have gone home for quarantine and never became a loan officer. Yeah, because you would have been stuck in that role. Right. Because then, oh, my God, like, are we going to keep our jobs? And, like, and then we got really busy, so there was no room for me to make that transition during quarantine it was like the timing was essentially perfect it takes a lot of courage to listen to yourself and not let like that inner critic tell you you they're right you're not ready for you to stand in your power and be like no i owe this to myself takes a lot of guts yeah so congrats on that (laughs) thank you um and i and then basically like one lead that i had talked to at the only event that i had ever worked that person called me I couldn't help them. They referred me to their best friend, worked on their file. I actually couldn't end up closing them either, um, but not because of me. Like I got them to the table. It was just a foreclosure matter. 
they loved me so much because of the process, even though we didn't get to to like to complete it. I've never lost them as a client. They've made investment purchases. And then from there, it was just fully referral based. It was just referral, referral. For at least the first two years of me being loan officer, I didn't spend a dollar on marketing. It was fully word of mouth business. And like my first year from March to December, I closed 12 million. Wow. And I did have, um, you know, I did have some help. Um, my manager at the time wouldn't throw me a bone if I had already spoken to the client or anything, but then I would take that opportunity and run with it because it was referral from that and referral from that. And I just, essentially, they told me that I wasn't going to do great because I was too technical, but then I found my strength in my technicality because there would be people that are five houses deep and I would give them this explanation of something that they didn't understand. And they're like, do you know how many times I've bought a house? And do you know nobody's ever told me this? And it's just crazy because um, as much as like I've always wanted a mentor, um, I've never had a textbook mentor in my life. And now I come to see that that was pretty much for a reason because I was supposed to do this my own way. Right, because they would have taught you their rope like their way to do things which probably would have not aligned with you and you probably would have been battling yourself like i feel like it should be this way but i was taught this way correct and um the other part of that too is like a lot of allos they teach you like go out and go to meetings and and go and and i'm great with trainings like trainings i love but the networking and the parties and the croquetas and the pasaditos not my vibe. That's just, that's not where I thrive in terms of like doing my best. But um, the realtors and the business that I have gained are not bothered by that. They love the fact that they call me and I'm in front of my computer. So it put me in alignment with the right people that like the way that I work. And I was able to really uh, kind of catapult in my own direction from that, which really makes me happy because I, re- I, I never thought that I was going to be able to reach the length that I've reached. And right when I made that decision to go on my own was um, around the time that I really got serious about my healing journey, right? And it just, I think that's what kind of essentially started giving me the courage to like take these opportunities on myself because throughout life I always seek validation and in a male dominated industry you're always waiting for that pat on the back from your manager from your boss from the top producer like you always want somebody to say you're doing a good job and like that combination of like my healing journey with my job was the first time I just started giving myself that and a lot happened during that time though like so much happened yeah and it was on top of that like a lot happened with me a lot happened with my career, but then at the same time, a lot happened in life because we were at home, completely uncertain. I remember, like, I saw a meme that's like, I, I remember when we thought COVID was gonna last two weeks, <laughs> and then we're like three years later, still in this. But it was great, and I did things, and I got paychecks that I thought I would never see in my life. You know, I went to the retreat with with you know the, my first Foundations of Healing retreat with um, with you and Maya, and that just changed everything for me like again and again and again you know I've gone to three of them now well yeah I can't get rid of you you're just there all <laughs> the time <laughs> yeah you're part of the, the committee for <laughs> yeah, sure but yeah the thing is that you you really took it seriously like you went to the retreat Jerry went to the retreat your your boyfriend which and he's so funny I just have to say how how like 
he he himself was like a completely different person in like 48 hours in 48 hours yeah. never biting his nails again <laughs> yeah. exactly and and when you got back it's like okay so this is like our retreat is called foundations of healing because it's a foundational work that we're doing right but it's when you get back and you're out of that environment the work that you do is what really counts. Yeah, it's integration. Right? Exactly. Because it's really easy to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all this work while you're away. But like, what do you do when you got back? So when you got back, you, you you hired me as your coach and you worked with Maya as well. And I remember you're like, I don't cry. <laughs> that first session, I'm like, something's wrong with me. Nothing makes me cry. Like, I don't... And like an hour later, <laughs> we hung up and I cried for three hours. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell me you can't do something. <laughs> <laughs> and just in that first hour, like, I had so many aha moments. And what I loved about it is because I've done, you know, I've done life coaching, I've done therapy, I've done this, and a lot of things come off very textbook what was very different about your program was that it felt really organic. Like we were just on the phone for an hour a week, just talking. And I was like, did we veer off like our scheduled session? And you're like, no, this is fine. Like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And like my assignments were, you know, manageable. So it's just journal this out, go get fitted for running shoes. Like what, what is it that you want to work on? And here's like one tiny assignment for this week. Just in the first assignment of a particular journal entry helped a certain person walk out of my life that I was totally fine with. And after that, everything changed. I put a contract on the house that I was dying to get. I made a decision to take my career step further and I was able to open my own business. A lot happened in that time when we were working together. Yes, I was very proud. Yeah. Even you were like, oh, okay. <laughs> great job. Great job. You know, you're your star student. Great job. I need more of you. Thanks. Gold star. Gold star. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you were so supportive there, like even in a time of need where basically like I started, ha- I was led to have the conversation about a brokerage I put my own free finance through a brokerage just to test the waters and the fact that I got from like beginning to closing in like less than a week mm-hmm. that was very fast too now we just have to have the talk yeah <laughs> <laughs> right and I was just like okay like how do I break this and you guided me through you're like this is you know what you gotta say or like this is what you want to say this is just what we have to do and I was like great Whenever I present, whenever I see my manager again, I'll talk to him. That was like my rule. If it's a month from now, if it's three days from now. Yeah, because you hadn't seen him for like two weeks. So you're like, sure. So whenever I see him. It was it was immediately post-COVID. So a lot of people were still working from home. So um, the fact that we weren't seeing each other a lot was pretty normal. And I hadn't seen him in two or three weeks. And I'm like, you know, if it's another two weeks, and I'll tell him when. And I, I talked to you that morning, actually. And I'm getting to the office, you know, girl style. I'm holding 6,000 things with my hands, like my coffee, my laptop, this, that, the third. And I'm getting to the front of the office and he opens my, he opens the door for me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like trembling. And he's like, hey, and I was like, hey, can we talk? And he's like, yeah, sure. Cause I, I don't, I don't like bother. I don't think, like, you know, I'm not one to take up a lot of space. And he's like, okay. And I sat down and I, I was, for the first time in my life, my body was full on trouble. 
and smiling because that's how I deal with my problems, right? It's from like my humor. And uh, I broke the news to him, complete disbelief, complete disbelief. And it was hard because like there was no friction between me and my job. Like there really wasn't. I had no real issues there. Like I stayed to myself, I minded my business and I carried on. So it kind of came as a shock to everybody. But it was the only way I was going to be really, it was the next step of growth. I've noticed like I have a pattern of about one year in the position that I'm in. So like at the one year mark of like me being an assistant was when I decided to be a loan officer. And at about a year and a half mark of me being a loan officer, I decided to I want to be a broker. And that's just kind of how I always keep myself growing. That was a pretty terrifying decision to make. And I'm so grateful because I had so much support. Like, you were there every step of the way. One of my best friends, Mia, was like, just, she just believed in me from the gut. Like, she was just like, you're not going to miss a beat. You're going to do incredible. Like, you have to do this, you know? And it was scary, right? Because, like, again, like, I'm always, like, so in line with, like, the way that I plan financially in this. And I'm like, what if I don't have any business for the first three months? And, you know, what am I going to do? And how am I going to get business, like, outside of this company? Because, obviously, all my relationships that I built are basically gone. I closed my eyes and then I had COVID <laughs> <laughs> on my birthday. This is like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. This was all a year Actually, ago. Exactly a year ago because yeah. my birthday is coming up again now. So I was like, had this conversation. He's like, can I think about it? And I was like, if you want to. <laughs> sure. Think about what you want to do with my life. <laughs> right. And then um, I got COVID, which was really inconvenient because I couldn't wrap things up. And then he got COVID, which is more convenient as we kind of wrap things up. Well, you know, the universe was making you like sit in this for a little bit. Yeah, it was making me sweat. Yeah. You know, I left on great terms. So it was like all of when I left, they were like kind enough to let me close out my pipeline with them. And and it's still like love to this day. They knew that it wasn't a malicious thing or like it wasn't a spiteful thing. Like it was just something I really needed to do for myself. You owed it to yourself. Right. And it all it all started with like that was the first time that I really gave myself that the, that validity, you know, where I was always waiting for another person to be like, hey, you should elevate yourself. And the minute that I started becoming that person for myself was just when everything changed. That's and, amazing. Yeah. I mean, a broker has been it's it's like a freedom, you know. Um, I make my own schedule. I miss having, I like for a while it was just me. And like, I didn't realize how much I would miss having coworkers because the way that I work is like, I have to talk out loud. And that was pretty much the only real rough patch I had. But like, apart from that, it's just, it's a different kind of freedom when it comes down to conducting your business. And I'm also the kind of person that doesn't need that like, oh, you're top five. And I used to like strive for that, but like for what? You know, it, doesn't, it does nothing for you. It doesn't matter. I get right. a post on Instagram. <laughs> like, who cares? And in having that mindset and just really focusing on the things that are actually really important, it's actually helped me really grow. So here I am. A year, almost a year anniversary. Of That's doing great. That. We have to celebrate. And we have to celebrate your birthday too because you, you, you spent it on like with COVID <laughs> and it was very, very sad. Yeah. But um, so... Now, with your expertise, like what are some tips for somebody that's looking to buy maybe their first home or just buying a home, especially now with with how the economy is at the moment? I know a lot of people are like worried, like, what should I do? Well, the thing is, I think 
that anybody, everybody, even if they're not looking to buy right now, I just think everybody should be like financially organized, right? Um, try as much as you can to save a percentage of your paycheck. And my always like my biggest advice is like get a bank account in a different bank. So I have I bank with Wells Fargo and I have um, a savings account on Capital One. It takes four days to get money in or out of there. It's a high yield savings account, but I don't see it. I can't move the money. I cut up the cards. And every time I would get paid, even before I was a broker, I would basically give myself a little salary, like an operation salary. And anything that was over, I would send. You can do it a different way. You can put 10%, 15%, 30%, whatever you're comfortable with, but just put something and put it away. And the reason for this is a couple of things. You're going to be able to have the money for your down payment and your closing costs. You're going to have your emergency fund. So like your rainy day fund of you're down on business, you're down on hours, you lose your job, like you can still hold yourself up. And considering that the economy is kind of uncertain right now, we don't know if we're going into a recession or not, you're going to be able to hold yourself up with whatever that savings is. But my my first and form, for like most important piece of advice is to feed that bank account. Even if you get like a tax refund, if you can really live without that refund, put it away. Just pretend it doesn't exist. If you get... Um, for example, if we went out somewhere and I paid for both of us and you gave me cash, I would get that cash and put it in a box in my room where I couldn't like touch it. So that way it wasn't accessible to me and I almost forgot about it. But like by the time you go back to it, you have so much in there that you can really make a move. If you are ready to buy now and you see that rates are higher, but the prices are going lower, make the purchase because you can always refinance later. Real estate is is a waiting game, but that's an asset that's always going to appreciate. Even if, let's say, it turns down a little bit now, if you give it another five, six, seven, eight years, you're going to be able to turn a profit no matter what. The economy is never just going to start decreasing and really stay better. there. Right. So the same thing happened in 2008. The prices went up, then the prices went down, but then the prices are double now. You know, so it is a waiting game, but real estate is always a great investment. And that's what I think people need to kind of like realize is that's a savings account. Even if it's a little part of your mortgage payment, like 300 bucks out of your 2000, it's going back into your pocket. And then the day of tomorrow, if you sell, if you refi, if you need the money, like you have it. But rent is 100% interest. And people seem to not necessarily realize that, you know. My biggest tip is like save your money, work on your credit. Be aware of what's on your credit. Be aware if you have any collections. Try to see if you can settle to delete. Try to see if you're behind on any payments. Just be active. Like we are in a time in 2022 where there is so much information available to be able to have good credit that there's almost no real reason why somebody shouldn't have great credit unless they have like an emergency, a family event, something um, kind of out of the ordinary. But there's just, there's no need for that, you know? And um, I just think that those are the two most important things that anybody should essentially really have focused on, the savings and credit. Um, for buying a home, there's tons of options. There's FHA, there's conventional, there's non-QM. So if you make a lot of money, you don't report income on your taxes. We have other options to be able to purchase. Those options require larger down payments and they're a little bit different than primary purchases, but they are available if you prepare for them. So what are, are some other things that are, like you think it's important for people to know? 
One of those things is that people get really excited about down payment assistance programs. And yes, they're great if you need the money more now. But if you don't really, really need that money, and I know this is like unpopular opinion for a mortgage person because I'm supposed to be like DPAs and whatever. I don't think it is the best choice if you really don't need it because normally that means you're getting a much higher interest rate. Normally you might need about 45 to 60 days for closing as opposed to 30. You have to let the seller know that you are getting these funds. Typically, depending on the program, if you sell or refinance your house within the first 10 years, you have to pay that money back. Like there's a catch to a catch to a catch. It's not just free money. There's no such thing. I just think that people should really focus on putting in some equity on their property to really have that ownership of it because it's it's kind of just like a hypey thing unless it's really needed and i'll accentuate that that some people just want a free house but like essentially like you have to really acknowledge that you're getting a piece of property for hundreds of thousands of dollars you're gonna have to make an investment of your own right um, and it's not like those down payment assistance programs is that something that you could kind of like pay back without some, like maybe if you refinance you pay it back then kind of like you know when you have pmi you don't put the 20 percent, but after it's under 20 percent, you could remove the, the pmi yeah so with down payment assistance programs if let's say five years from now the rates go down and you want to refi that ten thousand or however much money you got like the loan has to pay it off okay so it just it has to be repaid it, it's not just something that you get and you just never have to visit again because the chances a lot of times not every time but a lot of times people that get down payment assistance typically goes combined with an fha loan fha loan has mandatory mortgage insurance the chance of somebody staying with an fha loan for over 10 years very slim because they know that their equity is going to build a lot quicker than that and they're going to want to refi out of the out of the fha into a conventional you're going to have to pay that money back. And a lot of people don't know this. Obviously, you know, you have to let them know. Right. It's just kind of like when COVID happened and people were like, oh, you don't have to pay your mortgage or whatever. And it's just terrible. Yeah. And terrible it's like, advice. you know, people are like, go and, and they would put their mortgage on forbearance without knowing that, you know, after a certain time, you have to pay this money back. Right. And there are very few cases where you don't because there's like loan modifications or whatever, but people were just signing up for this without reading the fine print. It could have been a three month relief and then all three months are due at the very end and you have to pay it in full. But at this point, people have spent their money, especially right. if they're not working. Sometimes they roll the payments over to the end of the loan, which is okay, but then it depends on like it, it's so specific. It depends on like the terminology of the modification that you apply for that determines whether you're going to have to like refi or pay that off or something before you can do another transaction. So it's like all fine line reading. But people are just like, oh, great, like free mortgage for like, no, like I, I had somebody get stuck with a $25,000 bill because they spent a year without paying their mortgage and they couldn't do, they couldn't refi that in. That had to be paid off before they you could refi. Wow. The so, more you know. Yeah. So it's like, especially with the mortgage business, people are often headline readers. Oh my God, their rates are going up. Oh my God. The Fed is increasing their rate. And a lot of times, so the Fed is increasing the rate at which they lend money to banks, mortgage-backed securities, 
bonds, whatever. Most of the time, or not always, but most of the time, a Fed increase does directly impact mortgage rates, but one thing is not directly tied to the other. Usually the Fed rate increase needs to have some kind of surrounding news that impacts the mortgage market. So every Fed increase so far this year, up until this last one, has directly impacted our interest rates right away. This last one that everybody's been fearing because it was like a 0.75 increase didn't impact our interest rates, which was so weird, right? Mm -hmm. But then all everybody knows is, oh my God, rates are going up and rates are going up. And there's a, a lot of new programs that are coming back, like adjustable rates. So adjustable rates, I feel, are going to be making a comeback. And I just think as long as people are educated in how adjustable rates work, it should it could be a safe option because your rate's fixed for, let's say, five years, seven years, which gives you more than enough time later to refi it before it gets variable. Yeah, I think it's very important, like, if you're going through this process to really be knowledgeable. So the fact that what sets you apart is that you school people. And I know that you have done, like you mentioned earlier, like, you'll help people through the process, even if they're not with you, and they have to go with someone else. But you feed off of that education, mm -hmm. right? And just having the knowledge of knowing these things could really help you so much. Um, one of my really good friends, she had bought a house and I was working in the mortgage um, industry and I couldn't do her mortgage because I didn't have the program that she could use at the time. So she went with her friend, right? And I just told her, I was like, I know that's your friend, but like, send me the HUD before you sign. Yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> like, just send, like, just send me the HUD before you sign. That friend of her was like sneaking in fees all over that HUD yeah. everywhere that to this day, this happened over 14 years ago and they're no, no longer friends anymore. Because yeah. like, the, yeah, he gave her a great rate, but the way that he was making his money was, you Charging know, points. correct. Yeah. So like just being knowledgeable in, in, I'm not expecting people to know it all, right? But at least knowing some information of where your money going, like what, why are you paying this? Like, what is this fee? Like, where is this going? It's your fucking money. Right. And that's where when people think closing costs, right, they just think they get a, a loan estimate and they think that we're as a broker just making 40 grand because that's what the closing costs are. So a pivotal point of my process is send disclosures. Tell them they sent you numbers when you have a chance, call me so we can go line item by line item and you understand like where every dollar of your closing costs is going. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you can buy down the interest rate and pay points. However, there's appraisal. Title fees are not up to me because there are certain things that are just not up to me. So title fees are not up to me. Then there's the recording ta uh, recording fees and, like, the county taxes. Not, to, not, not up to anybody. That just is what it is. Then they collect a year of insurance up front. Then they collect your escrow account, which is just a savings account for you of a few months of taxes and insurance. And then whatever other thing there might be on there. But I just like walk them through because they just think like that experience that people just charge whatever they want to charge because we make something like we don't make money off of closing costs. Right. Especially if you're if you're let's say going lender paid, which is typically the case, we get paid by the lender. We don't get paid by the client. And people just have that misconception because of how things went in 2008. But they're so safeguarded and there's a trade and QM tests and like tolerances that we cannot increase the fees more than a certain point. Like they're so safeguarded by all of these regulations that came as a result of the 2008 crash that it's nearly impossible for 
us to really screw them over. Yeah. And and so you started in 2008. So you didn't really experience the recklessness of no. what happened before. And I did. The type of programs that were out there, like there, there was a program called Nina Ne. So it's like no income, no asset, no employment. So yeah. it's literally you're just filling out your information yeah, like, like your I social want this money exactly i want this house right and the things that i would see sometimes and it was just like this is insanity yeah this is insanity of course it fucking crashed the way that it did yeah so when i got into it was pre-trid i want to say 2013 because i'm coming up on 10 years shortly um there was a lot of things in place but then trid came into place which basically meant that the clients needed, like we had to send a closing disclosure, which had exactly, almost exactly the numbers that they're very close to the numbers they were going to close with. And from that day that they got the document, we couldn't close until three days after to give, because people would be like, yeah, we're clear to close. They send the clients to closing. There's a crap ton of fees on there, but they don't have a chance to review it. And they just sign and that. Yeah. They just want, they just want to close at this point. Right. So, um, yeah, it was definitely, and, like, I've heard the stories, right? So, like, and, like The Big Short is, like, one of, like, my top movies because um, it's about that, like, what the way that the mortgage business basically exploded. People would be like, oh, no, I don't have a house. I have five houses. And she was, like, a stripper. And you're like, you don't even have reported income. How do you have five houses, you know? And then, <laughs> <Nina Nay. laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's crazy because even though that happened almost 15 years ago, People still just think that like mortgage professionals are just out to get you and to take your money. And it's kind of my mission to make sure that that's what sets me apart from, you know, the guy next door. So I lose business all the time to new construction. And our dear Jorge, so I could be working with the client, working on getting them pre-approved for months, give them a pre-approval. They love a Lenar home and Lenar is like, use us or nothing or if you use us we give you like ten thousand in closing costs and at that point i'm not gonna argue i'm like i would do the same thing right <laughs> like, I, I get it you know i'm glad i could help but i'm like but send me the numbers please and sure enough sometimes where there is a credit there is a cost just in there somewhere else yeah they're gonna get it some way or another mm -hmm. so i always like to do that as a courtesy because i treat the transactions as if they were my own and I, I would like to know I have somebody in my corner, even if it meant that, you know, they're not getting the business. Like, I'm just I'm like a humanitarian in the mortgage field, right? Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't agree with monster corporations work. Um, Which is great because that's your North Node. <laughs> Aquarius. <laughs> your life, your life purpose. Good yeah. job. That's why you're thriving in it. Thanks. Star student. <laughs> I do my best. Um, but it's just, it's been great. And it's crazy to think that I'm like I know I'm great at this job so to really know that and feel that and like live it pretty good so but things are changing and I think that now it's kind of going to be the survival of like the fittest right so like only like the great loan officers are going to stay and only the great realtors are going to stay because now the hype is over right now like people are going to have to go back to their nine to fives if they only really did this as a side game. right and then it's really if you're really passionate about this like you are right you this is your passion and the education part of it as well you're you're not going to gear gear away from that yeah. you're going to thrive in this when others are just like i'm not dealing with this shit like i was <laughs> i'm like peace out <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like i'm grateful for it now but the way that i learned to do this job was just 
our our rates weren't like where I worked before. Our rates weren't always the best, but I learned how to do like what we call creative lending. Like we BOA Chase Wells. If it's too hard, they don't want anything to do with it. But with us, we're like, okay, like we're gonna make this work. Like let's add your mom and like let's rent out this property and and that really was just like the nitty gritty of it. And then like now I can really do anything. So I can close the easy files, but I can still close the hard ones too. And then a lot of the times those hard files are like the ones that are so grateful um, that they just like will never forget you. Like they'll just, I have clients that I've been, even like some of the first clients that I closed on my own, like we still talk on a regular basis because they're like, we could have not done this without you, you know? They're so grateful. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's cool. It's not something I ever aspired to do in life, but here I am. Here you are thriving and doing amazing at it. Yeah. The last tip that I have for buyers essentially is just to get started. Like if you know that investing in real estate is something that you want to do, get started talking to a mortgage professional much sooner rather than later. Even if you're not ready, start to plan because then you know how much you need to save. You're going to know how much you're going to need to work on the things on your credit and you're going to basically be able to set micro goals for yourself to ensure a really smooth process. Because sometimes people just get really inspired to buy and they want to buy right now and they want to buy today. And uh, maybe they're not the readiest and it's just, it's a much difficult, pro- much more difficult process than it needs to be. So even if you're thinking about buying next year, at the end of this year, the following, the sooner that you can talk to a mortgage professional and just have them review your finances, and take a look at your taxes and take a look at your credit, the more you're going to be able to set yourself up for a really, really smooth, easy transaction. I think that's important because a lot of people don't even know that before you start even looking at properties, you need to be pre-qualified. Like, what are you qualified to actually afford? Right. And if you are looking to buy something out of your range, what can we do to help you make that purchase? But if you're currently working right now for $15 an hour, but you collect money from your efficiency and you're not reporting it on your taxes, like you're not going to be able to get that $750,000 home. But if you just plan ahead, we can plan for tax season. We can report your income in a different way. If you work on your savings, like I mentioned, you're going to be able to have the money to pay the IRS your taxes. And then that way you'll be able to get what you want because we do have the alternative programs but those alternative programs are at a higher interest rate, at a higher down payment, and they're great. But everybody, when they want to buy a house, they want the lowest down payment. They want the lowest interest rate, the lowest mortgage insurance. So it's like something's got to give. Like it's mortgages is a triangle of three components, which is like income, cash, credit. The minute that you're down on one side, the other two have to compensate. So you have to overcompensate with the other two things. So if you can just kind of plan ahead with at least six months to a year in advance, and you can create a great balance for yourself, you'd you'd be able to get the terms that you want, the property that you want, and everything would just work out a lot easier than anticipated. That's great info, Vanessa. Thank you so much for, for sharing so much knowledge with us today. And where can people find you? I'm sure if they're going to have questions, since you'd like to school people so much, they could just reach out to you. <laughs> yes, my Instagram is at Exclusive Capital Lending. My website is also ExclusiveCapitalLending.com as well. Um, but you can find me anywhere. My phone number's on there, my email. So you can reach me however is easier for you. Well, thank you so much again, Vanessa, for joining us. And remember, guys, it's not all of a night.